Today on this edition of the Forest City Church Podcast, campus pastor Trevor McDonald has part three of the series titled One Shot. Today's message is Return to Rest. So we're in the series One Shot, and I thought I'd open up with uh, an excerpt of one of my favorite books to get us started. <clears throat> this is uh, Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less by Greg McEwen. Here's how it is. In a Harvard Business Review article called Sleep Deficit, the Performance Killer, Charles A. Schleiser, the Baldino professor of sleep medicine at Harvard Medical School, has explained how sleep deprivation undermines high performance. He likens sleep deficit to drinking too much alcohol, explaining that pulling an all-nighter, i.e. going 24 hours without sleep, or having a week of sleeping just four or five hours a night actually, quote, induces an impairment equivalent to a blood alcohol level of 0.1%. Think about this. We would never say, quote, this person, they're a great worker. They're drunk all the time. Yet, we continue to celebrate people who sacrifice sleep for work. Now, today I'm talking about rest. I'm talking about this idea of rest and how incredibly important it is for you and me in our lives. Now, this truly is like this badge of honor. If you, if, if you see people who are like uh, working hard, they're always saying this term, man, I'm so tired. In fact, when's the last time you said, I am so tired? You show of hands, there's no shame in the room. It's okay, we're not going to embarrass you. Man, I'm exhausted, tired, worn out, working hard. Boss has me working extra hours. I'm so exhausted, I'm so tired. Maybe for you, you actually said it maybe a week ago. You remember saying, like, man, I just remember telling, like, my spouse or a friend of mine or a coworker, man, I'm just, I'm just exhausted. Or maybe it was as you're walking in today, you saw our, our amazing friendly greeters, you're like, I'm tired, where's the coffee? Point me to the coffee. I'm in need. Why? Because I am exhausted, tired, restless. And it truly is like a badge of honor, right? It's, it's like you see people, maybe you work with these people, where like the more tired they are, like the more work they do, the better they are. Yeah, I'm just so exhausted because I'm working so hard. Long hours, 90 hours last week. That means a good thing, right? It's, I'm good if I'm tired. I've done a lot of good in this world. It's all because I'm exhausted. Being tired is really good for you. Now, listen, I'm not saying this is not a message about not working. I think all of us should work. I'm not saying you should go to your boss tomorrow and say, hey, church yesterday told me to quit my job because I'm tired. And you're making me tired, matter of fact. You can't do that. That would be ludicrous. Unless, of course, I don't know, you want to. That's up to you. But don't blame me for that one. This idea of, like, exhaustion and being tired all the time. In fact, I was talking to a good friend of mine just a couple weeks ago. I was, we we're talking about just kind of catching up because he doesn't live here. He lives in another state. And, and I started kind of running through this idea of my message. And I asked him, I said, hey, because he was just explaining how exhausted he is because of where he works and what they do. And every single day, it feels like there's something new and he just can't catch a, a, a break. He cannot have rest. I said, hey, bro, do you feel like you're ever going to be able to rest? And he's like, what do you mean, Trev? I said, Darius, like, are you ever going to find rest? It's like, well, I don't really know. I got a couple weeks off in a few weeks from now. 
Maybe I'll find it then. And this is what we do, don't we? It's like, man, I'm going to get that rest in six weeks from now when I finally get that vacation, but I'm going to suffer these other six weeks. It's like, this is like what we do. And in today's age, more than ever, like this is running rampant. Talk to your neighbors that's sitting on your road. Talk to your spouse. Talk to a friend. It's like, hey, are you tired? Yeah, yeah. Duh. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Life kind of wears you out. Now this idea of like, Working hard is not, again, what I'm talking about, that we shouldn't do that. We definitely should. But here's what I'm convinced of, that we should never wear ourselves out so much for work at the sake of losing our health. Look what the writer says. This is 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. The writer is talking to his friend Gaius. He says this to him. He says, hey, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in what? Good health as it goes well with your soul. John is talking to a friend of his, just like you would talk to maybe a friend of yours. You're noticing that maybe they're not in good health. Maybe you notice that they look exhausted. They feel exhausted. They continue to talk about how exhausted they are. You're saying, hey, I pray that you be in good health and that your soul would prosper as well. Now, I've talked about this before, this word soul. It's one of my absolute favorite word, words in the Hebrew language. This word is nefesh. And nefesh is the entire being of a person. The mind, the body, the entire person. How you and I are made up. It is our soul. So when the writer is saying, may your soul prosper for you and for me, in our context, soul is kind of like that person has soul. Or maybe they have depth. Or that music has soul to it. The writer here is simply saying, hey, I want your whole entire being to be in good health and for your whole entire being to prosper, that your soul, every single part of you, would prosper. And then we see this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 5. It's an ancient prayer that the Jewish people would pray, and they still do even three times a day in our day and age now. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. This prayer is saying that for those who are attempting and living a life to love the Lord, that you would love the Lord with all of your nephesh, your entire being, who you are made up to be. Challenges for me when I see a scripture like this, when I think about this idea of our soul being well, it being rested, Even though I'm working really hard, I feel exhausted, I'm tired, but I don't want to lose my health, I don't want to lose my soul. To love the Lord with all your soul is going to be incredibly difficult if you're on empty, if there's a deficit in your health. So today, as we're talking about rest, I'm going to take us to the Old Testament in the book of Exodus, chapter 20. If you have a Bible, you can pull it out or we have these big screens that show these slides so we can read along. Here we go. Chapter 20, verse 8, says this. This is God speaking to his people. Remember the Sabbath day. Now, this word Sabbath is simply remember this day of rest. And to keep it holy, six days you shall labor, you shall work, and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. 
For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested, rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Today, if you're a note taker in church, which I pray that we are, if you're taking notes, you can write this title just simply, A Return to Rest. A Return to Rest. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for today. Thank you that we can open up your, your word, these ancient holy scriptures filled with so much truth and challenge and direction for our lives. I pray that today we would find what it means to be restful, be rested in you. And I, got, I, I pray that every single person in this room, as they leave this space even today, God, may you encourage them and fill them up in new ways. If there's any deficit in their soul today, deficit in their health today, God, I pray you begin to heal and fill those areas up. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right, let me ask a question to all of us in the room. Again, we can be honest in this room. Have you ever ran out of gas? You've ever ran out of gas? Driving on the highways, the byways, the street, maybe right by your house, you completely Ran out of gas. Show of hands. Come on, be with me. My hand is up because this happened a few times. One of the times that I remember, I was 19 years old. I had a 1994 Honda Accord. Love this car. Um, but it wasn't all that reliable. Why? Because it always ran out of gas. Now, yes, some of it's my problem, but some of it is because me and this car, we knew each other. I knew when it started puttering, I was in big trouble, even though, like, the indicator light didn't always, you know, show up. It would literally shut off at stop signs, and then I had to, like, start it back up to get to the gas station. Now, there's this one time I remember in particular I was driving and I knew exactly where this gas station was. And I was driving, knowing where it was, knowing that I'm about to run out of gas. It's making that like sputtering feeling where it's shaking. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. And I said to myself, if I get up this hill, because there's one mighty long hill right ahead of me, if I get on top of that hill, what's going to happen? I will roll right down to that gas station. I knew it. I was like, look, if I can just get up that hill, if the car shuts off, I'm fine. Like this is, this is, you know, this is physics, momentum. I will go down the hill. I will get to the gas station. Wouldn't you know, this is exactly what happened. Got to the top of the hill, car shut off, and I just said, just float down there, baby. Come on, get all the way down to that gas station. And I rolled all the way down. I swear, I was like, please, Lord, no one cut me off. I can't stop. I can't push the brakes. I just have to roll down. And there's this BP gas station right to the right side of me. And I rolled on in and stopped right next to the gas pump. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Man, won't he do it? But there's another time. I was driving... Uh, like Park said, my family and I moved to South Carolina a few years ago, and we, we got there uh, late on a Wednesday night, and the next day, I had to return the, uh, the trailer, uh, we had a U-Haul trailer attached to our SUV, and I had to go first thing in the morning to empty it at the U-Haul storage, and then I had to return the trailer. Now, I'm in a brand new city. I don't know where gas stations are. Heck, I don't even know where anything is, so I have my Google Maps up, and I'm trying to figure out where to go and navigate, and wouldn't you know it... Um, didn't fill up, knew I should have, but I didn't. So I took that risk. So I'm driving with the trailer attached to our, our, our truck, and I'm going down the street. I get on a highway. Wasn't supposed to do that, but just kept going anyways. And I said to myself, okay, now I'm in trouble. So I start Googling as I'm driving. I don't recommend you do this. Okay, keep your eyes on the road, people. And I start Googling gas stations near me. 
and there's one right up ahead at like the next exit, but it's a good way off. And all I'm thinking is like, this kid, we can't, we can't, I can't do this. I don't know anybody in this town. I'm alone. Amy's at home with the kids. I don't have a clue what to do. Well, I don't know if I ran out of gas on the side of the road, what happens? You just like call someone and they just find you? You just like wave people down? So then the, I'm driving up this road. I know where the exit's at. The car starts making that little noise. I mean, it's like, and I'm like, this has got to make it. And I think to myself, if I make this exit, I think it's over there. And if I just get in that gas station with this humongous trailer, I'm going to be okay. This time didn't happen. It just, I have to pull over, side of the road, completely abandoned, all alone, don't know anybody, ran out of gas. I'm waving at people. What do you do? You know, like, hey, it's me. Do you have gas in your car? You want to just give it over to me? How do you just get gas? Ran out, completely empty, side of the road, and it was hot that day, which is not making it fun. But I was thinking that this idea of run out of gas, like in a literal tense, sense, why do we allow this to happen? For most of us in the room now, the reason why we might run out of gas is because you're absolutely devastated to go to the gas station these days. You drive by gas stations, you're like, nope. Nah, $30 a gallon, I'm good. I'll just keep moving. If it runs out of gas, I'll just walk. I'll just, everyone's going to start doing it soon anyways. You might just be like, yeah, that's my car. I left it there a couple weeks ago. It'll be fine. I'm walking now. I got a bike, rollerblades, whatever it takes. I don't care. This might be one of the reasons, but also I think the other real reason is this. I know it's true for me. The reason why we run out of gas in literal sense is because we are convinced we have just enough to make it to the gas station. We don't care what that little line says. If it's on E or past the E, we know our Lord and Savior will help us through. And we're like, we're going to get there. It doesn't matter. I don't care if the gas light's been on for three days. I just know I have enough to get to work or get to school or whatever I have to get to. So we convince ourselves that we have just enough in the tank to make it. In a lot of ways, this is how we kind of navigate our lives. We think to ourselves, we have a destination. We are determined to get there. And I am convinced I have just enough in my soul tank to get to that place. So I will push the limits. I will live on fumes so I can get to that space, get to that place, get to that thing that I need to arrive to. Until, of course, for most of us in the room, you find yourself on the proverbial side of the road called life, waving at people passing you by because you ran out. Why? Because you weren't rested. Something in you was telling you to slow down. Something in you was was telling you to pull over. Something in you was telling you to get help. Something in you was saying, hey, hey, you need a rest. Hey, you need to take a break. But we just keep going and going. Why? Because we think, oh, we have just enough in the tank. And we see this in Scripture all throughout the Old Testament. Through Exodus and Leviticus, God is speaking to his people saying, hey, this Sabbath thing, it is absolutely essential for your life. In fact, it was a command to his people that you and I would need to make and keep the Sabbath and make it holy to keep it in our lives. This idea of Sabbath simply meaning rest. And we saw this in the scripture we read earlier in Exodus chapter 20, is that God on the seventh day, after creating the entire world, he does what? Rests. And he gives his creation 
rest. Because of sin and disobedience, they're not able to live in that rest for eternity. But this is what's amazing about this idea of Sabbath, is that God instituting this uh, Sabbath day in Exodus chapter 20 was saying, hey, on that seventh day, I want you to practice what it looks like to experience an eternal rest with me. I don't want any work, no play, no nothing, just rest. And this promise was basically saying this idea of eternal rest, this idea of of eternal Shabbat right there on that seventh day that you would understand that all of your trust, all of your reliance is not in the things that you do, it is everything that I do. So God, instituting this idea of rest, was reminding the children of Israel that there is a rest coming for eternity. But until then, until that day happens, keep the Sabbath holy. Make this incredibly essential and important for your life. Because you will do so much and get so much done. You have to grind and work and go and go and go. And then then one of those days that the light is blinking, hey, chill, rest, calm down, take a break. And this is what God was instituting with his idea of the seventh day rest, that we would find rest in him, all reliance, all trust is in God. Amen? Now we see throughout the Old Testament that the children of Israel gravely struggled with this idea of keeping the Sabbath. In, in, in fact, they began to add extra rules and regulations and burdens to the people with this idea of Sabbath. We see this all throughout uh, all four gospel, gospels in the New Testament. Is that even when Jesus was walking with his disciples through grain fields, his disciples began to kind of pull off the grain and be eating them because they were hungry. And the Pharisees, the religious experts, or the Sabbath experts would say, hey, you can't do that. You can't be eating on the Sabbath. You can't be picking grain. That's like working. You are violating the Sabbath. And then Jesus would be healing people on the Sabbath. He healed a man with a messed up hand. Jesus heals his hand, completely healed. And you see the religious leaders like, hey, you can't do that. You can't heal on the Sabbath these extra rules that they kept adding and adding and making it harder. The burden kept getting heavier and heavier on the people to keep the Sabbath holy the way that they wanted it to be kept holy. Jesus heals this man that was sitting by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years, crippled and paralyzed, and he's lying on his bed mat, and Jesus heals him and says, get up and walk. And the man rolls up his mat, and he begins to walk through the town, and these religious leaders, these Sabbath experts say, hey, who told you you can carry that? Who told you you can carry your bedroll? And they're saying, well, Jesus, this guy, he healed me, and now I'm walking away healed. They're more concerned with them keeping these laws and regulations than celebrating the miracle in this person's life. This idea of keeping the Sabbath was getting more of a, becoming more of a burden than a blessing for the people of God. And then Jesus, God, I love him. And his grace and his kindness and his goodness begins to rebuke the religious leaders in that day. It says this in chapter 12 of Matthew, verse 8. He says, For the Son of Man is Lord of the what? The Sabbath. Jesus declaring and announcing this simple line was fundamentally equivalent to Jesus saying, God of heaven has come to this earth 
declaring that all the things that you've been waiting for when it comes to restitution, full creation being restored unto God, is through his son, Jesus. That all this working, all this striving, all these things, you're trying to keep all these different laws in line. This idea of keeping the Sabbath became a burden. It was not a blessing any longer. And Jesus said, hey, all the rules and regulations you all keep adding up. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the one that actually is fulfilling the thing that you guys keep holding over people's head. I have fulfilled the thing that every single person on this earth needs more than ever. It's this idea of rest. Rest in Jesus. Finding rest now in him was this declaration that new creation, new life is now available. When Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 12, this was changing the game. In that day for us, maybe we just kind of repass that stuff. It's like, oh, that kind of sounds cute and sweet. Like, oh, he's the Lord of the Sabbath. Good for him. Is he the Lord of everything? Yeah. But for those people in that day, it, it would have blown their mind because for so many centuries, they were holding this Sabbath thing over people's heads. And Jesus is saying, hey, that idea of finding it every single seventh day, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I am the rest that you've been looking for. I'm the eternal Shabbat available today for every single person here and forevermore. Amen? In fact, what's crazy about the week even leading up to Jesus' death has so much significance with this idea of the Sabbath being fulfilled through the person of Jesus. Jesus has his Passover meal with his disciples. And then he's betrayed and he's killed and he's hung on a cross. And then the next day, he's in the ground resting. Guess what day that would have been? It was the day of Sabbath. Jesus is sitting, lying in the ground, resting on the Sabbath day. And then we see the next day, after the seventh day, would almost kind of be like the eighth day. Meaning this, the beginning of a brand new week. Jesus is resurrected on a brand new week, the day after Sabbath. This is why this is so incredibly important for you and for me today. This is what it indicates that Jesus coming out of the ground, out of the grave, out of Sabbath is now saying all restitution, everything for you, all rest, the eternal Shabbat is now available forevermore for you and for me for eternity in Jesus. All because he came out of the grave. The Lord of the Sabbath is available today for you and for me. Restitution for our what? Our soul. And this is so incredibly important for our lives today. Because you're looking around a room like this, or maybe you go home, or maybe you're walking down the street, or maybe you're at work, and you can just see it on people's faces. Oh, man, we're exhausted. We are tired. And I get it. There's things to do and things to get done. But, man, if the eternal Shabbat, the eternal rest, Jesus is available every single day for you and for me, should we not be rested people? Rest found in Jesus. Jesus becoming the Lord of the Sabbath for your life and for my life forevermore. Now here's the challenge that I have though. And this is what I found the most when it comes to followers of Jesus. And you find yourself as a follower of Jesus. This is where I relate the most is I think to myself, and yet we're kind of like 
the most unrested people on the planet. (laughs) Have you noticed this? We're just like weary, exhausted, tired. And for whatever that means, we got things to do. It's like we take commands from Jesus. It's like we have to bring heaven to this earth. And if it's not, if we don't do it, no one's going to do it. I got work to be done. There's stuff to do. The kingdom of heaven has to come, and it has to come through my works. And Jesus is like, hey, 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 you need a rest. Be a restful person. It's interesting, even this idea of why I'm so convinced why this is incredibly important for your life and my life is that if we are representatives of Jesus on this earth, should we not be the most rested people? Because we are declaring that the kingdom of heaven is living through our lives And if we're restless and busy and exhausted and tired, we're missing the entire point that Jesus is very clear. Hey, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the Lord of rest. Why are you so exhausted? Can you find Sabbath in me? Can you make this a priority in your life? Because we're representing Jesus in the earth as rested people, amen? This return to rest is essential. And like I said earlier, 3 John 1, 2 says that our soul would prosper. Friends, I don't wanna go a day further with an unrested soul. I don't wanna go a day further exhausted because I'm trying to do a bunch of things without him blessing it. And this is why this idea of Sabbath is so incredibly important. And I said this earlier. Because Sabbath, taking these restful moments, finding rest in him, is telling and declaring and announcing everything that comes in my life is from him. All of my trust is in him. All my reliance is in him. Yes, I got work to do. I'll do all the things I have to do but I'm not gonna lose my health or my soul at the expense of working, 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 working. I have to find rest. Now more than ever, you and I, in our lives, need rest. So I ask us, are you rested? Are you rested? Or are you low on fuel today? Is the gaslight indicator light uh, uh, blinking saying, uh, hey, it's time to rest. It's time to chill out. You've been going like 100 miles an hour for a long time now. And you told yourself like 10 months ago, you're going to find a rest. And then you said about 10 weeks ago, you're going to rest. And then 10 days ago, you said you're going to rest. And 10 hours ago, you said, I need a rest. And for some reason, you find yourself overly anxious and you're like, oh man, anxiety, it's so terrible. You know what's crazy about anxiety? And scientists will tell you this. Anxiety isn't really the bad thing. Anxiety is good, why? Because it's telling you to slow down. If you find yourself anxious, it's telling you, you have to calm down. You gotta respond to these moments that are blinking at you, telling you, it's time to rest. It's time to breathe. 
Jesus even says it in the New Testament. He says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole entire world yet lose his what? Soul. What does it profit us to gain all the things that we're working for, all the things we're grinding for, all the things we have to acquire and yet lose our soul in the process? So we love following Jesus and all these different commands, but we absolutely miss this one. I know I do. We miss the one that says, hey, rest is good. Rest is essential. Rest needs to be introduced to your life on a regular basis. Mind you, I'm the Lord of the rest. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. That eternal Shabbat that you and I need, it is found in the person of Jesus and it's available today, right now, in this moment, in him. Amen? So are you rested? Or are you low on fuel today? Soul deficient. I, I call it for my own life, I call it living in the red. If you have a, an iPhone, maybe they have this on Android, you can see it on your battery. It starts green and then it gets lower and lower throughout the day and eventually gets to red. And it's telling you that like, hey, <clears throat> uh, your battery, your phone is gonna die. So you, you, gotta, you gotta charge it. And if you know like any teenagers, been around any of them, I did youth ministry for many, many years. Um, they would like have chargers either on them or they would lose their mind if they didn't have a charger on them. They'd be like, hey, anybody got a charger? Phone's about to die. You got a charger over here? Anybody got a charger? You guys know where the outlets are in this place? You guys got a charger? Anybody got a charger? Phone's about to die. 5%. What's yours on? Eight? Mine's worse. So 5% is worse than eight. So I need a charger. I'll get a charge at least at 30. And then I'll give you your charge. You get 32. Then we'll be at 30%. And then eventually we'll go back down to 5%, but it's fine. Just as long as we have enough charge. This is what we do. This is what we do. We go crazy when we don't have a charge on our phone. We're like, hey. Need to charge up. You got a charger? You go to a restaurant, like, hey, can you make sure you put us where the outlets are? Because I need to charge my phone while I'm eating the food here at your at your fine dining restaurant. You make sure I just charge up. And then Apple introduces this new thing. This notification pops up, and it's called low power mode. You know this one? When your phone's about at 20%, it says, Would you like to have your phone put in low power mode? <laughs> so then you don't get to the red? It like slows apps down, the screen goes darker, just so you can like kind of make it for a little more on this day. You wanna go low power mode before you live in the red? This notification pops up in your life and my life and say, hey, do, do you need to calm down for a little bit? It feels like you're running on empty. You're kind of living in the red right now. Maybe you need to go charge up. That's what happens to me. I know when I'm living in the red because I'm short with my wife. I'm angry at my kids. I just start getting mad about random stuff. Everything bothers me. If I'm in traffic, someone cuts me off. I'm just mad, which is normally, you know, how I respond. But you're just angry. Everything bothers you. You lost the remote and you're like, where's the remote? And it's like in your hand as you're yelling. It's like, hey, are you okay? What do you mean? Remote's gone. Why? We respond crazy when we're not rested. You know this is true. You're at work and everybody bothers you. And you're living in the red and you're wondering, man, when am I ever going to find rest? I can't wait for that vacation in 10 weeks from now. But until then, I'm going to work really hard. Grind it out. Make sure I get the job done. The reason why we do this in our lives and we work really hard, we gotta get all this stuff done 
I'm convinced it's because there's something in our life that we have to prove. I'm gonna work really hard. I gotta launch this business. I gotta do this thing. I gotta make sure I get all the sales. I gotta make sure I'm good for all my family. I gotta make sure all they're good before I'm good. I'm gonna, I got something to prove. And if I don't do those things, if I don't work hard, someone else will get the promotion. If they get the promotion, I won't get the promotion. I have something to lose. So I'm gonna work really hard so I don't lose the thing I need. And then the indicator lights are flashing bright, telling us to rest. And if I take a break now and address the things that are holding me back in my life, I'm never gonna get to the thing I need to get to, so what do I do? I just hide them. I pretend they're not there. On the outside, I look good. On the outside, I got it all together, but I'm hiding all the things, so I have something to prove. I always have something to lose. I end up always having something to hide. Why? so I can show the world that I'm giving something to it. I'm doing something and everyone cannot see what's really going on. Friends, it's because you and I need a Sabbath. We need a Sabbath rest. We need to find that rest in the Lord of the Sabbath. It's Jesus. Here's the encouraging thing. Most quote, one of the most quoted lines in the New Testament from Jesus. He says it's in Matthew chapter 11. My favorite verses. If you're feeling tired today, take this in. He says, come to me, all who are what? Weary and burdened. You know I was saying earlier about these religious leaders that were putting extra laws and extra burdens on the people, Jesus comes and says, no, 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 we're not doing that. If you're weary and you're burdened, what does he say? I will give you rest. I will give you the Sabbath that you've needed forevermore. I'll give that to you. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your, for your entire being. You will find rest for your souls. These aren't my words. This is Jesus. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle, humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. This is completely upside down in the world that you and I live in, isn't it? You gotta run, you gotta grind, you gotta go, and it's hard. Life is tough. So you better just keep making it harder and tougher because you got something to prove in this world. You got something to lose. So go ahead and just hide everything. You only get one life, so you better grind. You better make it happen. You better make it work. And Jesus is like, hey, 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 hey. Um, I'm not saying don't work, but also when the indicator lights are flashing or maybe pre those indicators lights are flashing, my yoke is easy. My burden, the burden that you've been hanging on to for so many years in your life is actually light. It's not heavy. You'll find rest for your souls. I love what it says in the message translation. It says it like this. This is Jesus. 
makes it very plain and simple. Are you tired? Yep. You got my attention. Are you worn out? Yep. You, you got me. Burn out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a what? Real rest. I love this part. He says, walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live what? Freely and lightly. This is what Jesus offers when he's saying, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. This idea of return to rest. Friends, it's not just a really cool idea. It's incredibly essential in our lives. And you and I know it because we experience these moments where we're tired, we're exhausted, worn out, beat. What do we do? Keep working, keep moving, keep doing things. This is almost like the indicator light for all of us. This is the notification that pops up on your phone that says, hey, I think you're about to be in the red. I think you need to charge up. It's time to charge up. So here's my two questions for us as we close. Number one is this, what does rest look like for you? What does rest look like for you? Again, for the children of Israel, it's very simple. For them, it was work six days, take an entire day off. Don't do anything. And like I said earlier, they gravely struggle with this idea of keeping the Sabbath. So maybe for you, it is a whole entire day where you shut the phone off, shut the TV off, you sit in your favorite chair, you go on a walk, you do whatever you want, but it is a day dedicated to rest. What's amazing about Jesus saying, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, is now rest, eternal Shabbat, eternal rest is available every day for you and me. So maybe for you, it's you go to bed a little earlier so you can wake up before everyone else wakes up in your house so you can have those moments of rest. Maybe you shut your phone off when you get home so you never look at it. So you find rest. Maybe you put in your calendar every day, two o'clock, Sabbath, 20 minutes. Don't apologize for it either. Hey, I need these 20 minutes. You're gonna get the best out of me when I'm rested. It'll look like you get the best out of me when I'm grinding and working hard and sweating and telling you I've been working for 90 hours. But eventually, you'll find yourself, like I did, on the side of the road, empty. And we see this in our, in our world. We see this in people that maybe we even know. Maybe the person next to us. And if it's not the person next to us, it might be you. You're saying, I need a rest. I'm gonna put this in my calendar. I'm gonna make this a priority. Sabbath is real. I need to find rest in my day so that I can offer the best and represent the kingdom of heaven the best I can on this earth while I'm still here, amen? What does rest look like for you? Last question is this. Can you identify where you need rest the most? I don't know what that is for you. Can you identify it though? Can you identify where in your life right now you're thinking, man, there are some areas in my life I am in need of rest. 
I respond to every single text message. I respond to every single email. When my kids are yanking at my t-shirt, they're like, hey, can you play with this? No, I got things to do. I got work to be done. Don't you understand? I got to get on the sales call. I got to drive to this new meeting, this next thing. I got to get more people. I got to see everybody. I got to be at every single get together. Where do you need rest? Can you identify the areas where you need rest the most in your life today, right now? And again, I'm not saying you go into your workplace tomorrow and say, hey, you know what? It's time for me to rest. So I'm out. But can you keep paying me? Just kidding. But you might have to have an honest conversation. The best version of me is going to be arrested me. So I'm going to need a day off or two to find out, do some hard work, do the inner work to say, I need to begin to prioritize rest and Sabbath in my life on a daily basis, or I will be in the red forever and ever. So are you living in the red today? You find yourself a little bit on empty. You find yourself seeing the indicator light blinking at your head. Jesus simply says, come to me and I'll show you how to take a real rest. Amen. May we be people who represent this Shabbat, this Sabbath well. Jesus even says this in Mark chapter two, verse 27. He says, man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath, the rest, it was made for you. It is offering, it's offered to you and me here now in this moment. Let's follow Jesus's commands and his principles the right way where we begin to say, hey, I'm gonna begin to prioritize this thing because it's so incredibly important for our lives and following him. Let's stand up. Let me pray for us. Then we're singing one last song and then we'll enjoy the rest of our Sunday. Pray with me. God, thank you for this word. Thank you for this idea of Sabbath and how incredibly important it is for our lives. Lord, I pray that we would find that Sabbath, that we would find that rest even here, even now, as it's available. God, may we respond to those indicator light moments that are saying, hey, it's time to rest. It's time to take a break. God, I pray that we would be mindful of those moments and have the courage to take a rest that God, you've called us to. God, I pray over my friends today that God, they would be rested for their soul's sake. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing this song together. You've been listening to Trevor McDonald with part three of the One Shot series with a message, Return to Rest. Thanks for listening.